0: Hello, my name is Jordan, and I am a recovering people-pleaser. Yes, well, we have some others. Uh, If there were a 12-step group for those people who are obsessed with the approval of people, uh, I would certainly need that course. For as long as I can remember, I have battled the desire to be liked. Now, growing up, there was a number of things that I loved. One of those things being sneakers, and I did a lot just to support my sneaker habit. Uh, I was a landscaper. I was a waiter. um, I was a camp counselor. Um, I think this is why I fit so well with my wife's Jamaican family. I did multiple jobs. (laughs) And I did it all to support my sneaker habit. But there was something that I quite honestly liked even more than sneakers. And it was the approval of other people. I'll never forget, in the spring of 1996, some of, if not the most beautiful Jordans to have ever uh, be uh, manufactured came out. And they were the Jordan 11 breads, the black and red. These things are absolutely gorgeous. They are. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. Praise God for the bread 11s, y'all. And yo, I'll never forget how bad I I wanted these sneakers. And um, one of my boys called me like two weeks before they were even supposed to come out. He says, yo, Jordan, you'll never guess, the spot on Main Street actually has the sneakers for sale right now. You could be the first one with them. In my brain, I just couldn't uh, imagine how hard I was going to stunt on every single person in school the next day if I got these sneakers. I grabbed all the money that I had Hopped in a cab and raced to the sneaker store on Main Street. And as soon as I got there, I heard the angels singing. <laughs> I saw the sneakers, and I've never seen something as pretty, uh, including the birth of my children. <laughs> the guy at the store came over to me and said, uh, what are you looking at? I said, these right here. He says, I'll go, back in, the bo- I'll go in the back and, and get your size. What size do you wear? I said, I wear a size 10 and a half. He came out with a box in his hand, and it was one of the greatest feelings that I've ever felt. He walked up to me, he says, here are the sneakers, but we only have a size nine. For those of you doing math at home, that is one a size and a half too small. In my brain, I said, all right, Jordan, you can wait two weeks like the regular people and get them when they come out, or you could be special, my friend. I bought the sneakers and, <laughs> yo, the next day when I got to class, I made it like a half of one period and I was in a full sweat. <laughs> I was walking in the hallway just going like this in my shoes. I would race to class, take my shoes off as fast as possible, and then get in the hallway and be like, oh, these? I mean, yeah, this is a little something that I, you know, that I picked up. Uh, that day on my walk home, I had to stop like five times just to take my shoes off and let my feet breathe. I ended up walking like the last half a mile barefoot. It was, anything was better than wearing no sneakers, um, and it was definitely one of the worst decisions that I've ever made, and I did it all for the approval of people. Fortunately, now all of my shoes fit, um, but the desire in this battle to to gain the approval of people has not left me. If there is a disease to please, I was infected. Over the years, I've ended up in some other disappointing situations, uh, all in the attempt to gain the approval of people. Now, when I first became a pastor, I assumed that the second I stand on stage, the second I become a pastor, there's going to be this miraculous process that washes over me that somehow removes from me the desire to please people. I'm going to suddenly only want to please God. Now, I thought that my whole focus would finally be on God, that um, somehow I would be changed, even though nothing in my life was different, and I couldn't have been more wrong. I remember the first year, actually, of being a pastor and uh, how terrible this disease to please was in my life. I needed to work 70 hours a week, and I needed you to know how much I was working in order for people to look at me and to justify my title. I needed every single sermon to not just be good and faithful. I needed that joint to be the I have a dream speech. And I needed you to cry, laugh, (laughs) Um, And I needed somebody to be at that altar call, you know what I'm saying, right after service with snot bubbles coming out their nose to make me feel like I was doing a good job. Uh, The first time I heard those words, great job today, pastor, it was like the hit of a highly addictive drug. Over the time, I needed more and more doses of that approval just to get the same high. Eventually, one of the most profound and disillusioning facts about people-pleasing and trying to gain the approval of people is eventually... I started to like myself less and less. I turned into a chameleon that every single day I would change based on whatever you wanted me to be. Eventually, I felt like I was an imposter, working too much, putting way too much uh, status on what people thought of me, and I would come into most Sundays with an insane amount of anxiety. Not only that, but I also not just had to be a success in Renaissance, but I had to be a success to my peers and my other friends in church plants, and God forbid I didn't have their approval. It was a miserable part of my life. Now over the years, fortunately, as much as God has used me at Renaissance, God has used Renaissance for me. God has shown me the areas of my life that were just completely out of whack and completely out of shape. Over the years, uh, I've had a, a number of conversations that have Turn my my, my, uh, my mind and my focus away from uh, the crowd of many to an audience of one. Now, today we're going to be talking about um, living for the opinions of others and how that is such a huge distraction. And please know that no matter what I say today, this stuff is hit me first and foremost, and I still need it. As much as I know that I have grown and I've progressed, um, and some of you guys who have been here since the beginning could probably tell a difference. I hope you can tell a difference in my leadership and in my preaching now that I don't care as much, if I'm being honest, about what people think of me. Years ago, I had a conversation with a friend, uh, a pastor friend who uh, is a little older than I am and had more years of experience. I reached out to him to get some guidance. In a church like Renaissance, with so many people from different walks of life, They were, everybody believed different things about different things. And I was trying to figure out what is the best way to handle disagreements and to handle some of the criticism that I was getting. Uh, My friend looked at me in my eyes and he says, Jordan, you know what? I, I could tell you good ways for you to manage conflict. I can give you better talking points, but quite honestly, you don't need that. What you need to learn is how to not live and die on other people's opinions. That day was uh, one of the turning points in my life. It was a day that I realized that I was living for the approval of people and that of God. Now, that day started this journey for me on pursuing, approving, uh, to be to gain the approval of God, of one, as opposed to the crowd. Uh, there's a scripture that some of you, I'm sure, have heard, and it comes from a parable of Jesus, and Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is like, and he talks about the kingdom of God is like this relationship between a master and his servants, and he gives some of his servants uh, five talents and two talents and one talent, and then when he comes back, he tells this one servant who had worked really hard, this is what he tells him, his master said to him, well done, good, and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Here's what I found in my life, and here's what I know to be true for others. It's impossible to live for God's well done when you're living for the good opinion of others. It's impossible to live solely uh, for the to hear God's well done when you're living for the approval and the good opinion of others. So now we're in this series called Distracted, and Distracted is a sermon series where we've been week by week walking through different concepts and different things in our lives that all of us face on a day-to-day basis that would pull us away, that could separate us from faithfulness to God. Now, some of you guys are brand new to to church, and this is your first time back in a while, and you don't even know where uh, where you stand or you don't know what the road forward is. And I, I don't know your life, I don't know your story, so I can't spell out on stage what the road for you is, but I can tell you exactly What is not the road for you is that your life will be lived for the approval of other people. So many of us are distracted by this. And fortunately for us, we have uh, a scripture that's going to guide us for the rest of today. It comes from uh, a guy named the Apostle Paul, and he writes this in Galatians. And he writes something profound about uh, the approval of others that we need to take to heart. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, this is both practical and spiritual. On one hand, to, not, uh, to seek the approval of people distracts you in a lot of different ways. Because for Paul, and especially in, in any leader situation, the price of leadership is always criticism. The price of leadership in your life, I don't care what the department is, I don't care what the avenue is, the price of leadership is always criticism. So in some ways, to seek the approval of people is practically a terrible idea. In other ways, this is also a spiritual condition. It shows what we love. It shows what we fear. Now, in this context, Paul writes these letters because Paul was an apostle to what's called the Gentiles. And in this time, there were two major groups of people in the Bible discussed. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. The best way to think about this is if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, right? It's like if you're from New York City or you're from Syracuse, like they don't even care. If you're not from New York City, you're from somewhere, you're from Buffalo. (laughs) And Westchester is not upstate, by the way. So if you were not a Jew, you were a Gentile. And Paul's message of the gospel was to the Gentiles. His message of the gospel was this, for thousands of years, men and women have gone through ridiculous obstacle courses to gain the favor and the approval of God. But now has come one named Jesus Christ who has gained the approval for you. All you need through the grace of God is faith in Jesus. That is it. You do not need to jump through any ritualistic hoops and hurdles To to be one with God. Jesus has made it possible for us solely through faith in Him. The Jewish believers were mad because they thought Paul was lowering the bar for Christianity because they wanted uh, Christians, all Christians, Jews and Gentiles, to be circumcised, to have to go through all of the Jewish rituals. So they said, if you want to be a Christian, you have to pass through Judaism first. So you have to get circumcised, you have to follow the law. Oh, yeah, and then you could add Jesus. What Paul talks about in Galatians is this beautiful concept, which is this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And you cannot add a morsel of righteousness on top of Jesus and all that he has done. By trying to add to it, you take away from it. Paul comes with this concept of the beauty of the gospel. And it's something that so many of us struggle to believe that solely by faith in Jesus, by grace alone, you and I could be in right relationship with God. Now, really quickly, before we get too far down the road today, uh, there are a lot of you who your understanding of Christianity is just a different set of obstacle courses in front of you, and that is not it. So Paul is claimed. uh, They're they're making a claim against Paul that, Paul, you're lowering the bar. You're You're just trying to please the Gentiles by saying that they don't have to get circumcised and they don't have to follow the Jewish law. And Paul comes to them with these words in Galatians 1 and 10, that if he were trying to be, if he were trying to gain the approval of people, he shouldn't be a servant of Christ. He juxtaposes in pretty hard lines that you and I can only either live for the approval of God or the approval of people, but we'll never be able to do both. Paul knew that it's it's impossible to live for God's well done when we're living for the good opinion of others. Now, the uncomfortable truth is that every single one of us you included, certainly me included, we want to be known for something and we want to be known by somebody. Your crowd is not my crowd, my crowd is not your crowd, but all of us want to be known for something and all of us want to be known by somebody. There's a longing in our souls to to gain this approval and it's so a part of our every single day life that if you're not careful, you won't even notice it going on in your life. So much of your behavior is shaped by this desire to be known and to gain the approval of people. Now all the married ladies in the room me ask you guys a question. How many times have you been about to go out on a date and your husband comes out with his famous favorite cargo shorts and um, any other day of the week you'd be like bro just go ahead and, and do whatever you do. But on a date when y'all are going out together on a date you like listen boo-boo you ain't about to have me out here looking crazy. I've laid out some clothes for you on the bed. You're going to wear those. Side note, cargo, rate, cargo shorts really are underrated because of their functionality and all the pockets, they definitely help. You can carry a lot of stuff in there. But what's going on in your mind when you lay out your clothes for your boyfriend or for your husband? You don't want him reflecting poorly on you because deep down inside, You don't want to be known as someone who's walking around with cargo shorts, guy. (laughs) Uh, This desire to gain the approval of other people, it manifests itself in our lives in so many different ways. A lot of us parent not to uh, just raise our kids, but also to gain the approval of other people. All of us, at some point, have stood in front of a grocery store where your mother or your father said, now listen, when we get up in this store... (laughs) You are not about to be acting a fool. You ain't getting no toys. You ain't getting no candy. Just walk. This past week, my son had his 3K celebration performance. And it was a riveting performance that they did. And uh, my wife and I were signed up to bring snacks for the kids. Snacks in our house are good snacks. Doritos, chips cookies, things that are actually edible. For the 3K celebration, we brought veggie straws. Them joints taste like a mixture of broccoli and air. And and the reason I bought veggie straws was because I didn't want to be known as a dude bringing GMO snacks to all of these three and four-year-olds. I don't have a problem with my kids eating it. I have a problem with other people knowing that my kids eat this <laughs> stuff. Now, even worse, and even to hit home for a lot of you guys, some of you were parented and overparented to live perfectly curated lives because your parents were trying to get the approval of other people. Yes. Now, my wife and I obviously have pastors' kids, and one of the things that I talk about uh, to pastors about or pastors kids about is like what was life like for you growing up? and the reason number one reason a lot, a lot of these people walk away from the church is not because of their parents' jobs. it's because of the pressure that was placed on the kids to meet this perfect ideal to gain the approval of other people. Some of you guys were overparented to get these test scores to go into this school to to meet this accomplishment not because your parents solely wanted you to have a good future, that was a part of it, but a probably even bigger part was that they wanted you to look good so that they could feel better about themselves. They were using you to get the approval of their peers. They overly disciplined you so that they could be known as the parents of kids who were respectable. If we're not careful, the approval of other people will shape almost every single aspect of our lives. Now, a quick disclaimer before we get too far down the road. This is not a license to say, I don't care at all what anybody thinks of me. Anybody in here who's uh, been around Christians enough, you probably met one or two Christians who was just absolutely obnoxious. They claim to live their life for the audience of one, and nobody ever wants to be around them. One of the most profound realities about Jesus was how many people wanted to be near him. In the Gospel of John, his first miracle is uh, at a wedding. And when you're invited to someone's wedding, it's a profound invitation. It's essentially saying this, on the best day of my life, on the happiest day of my life, on the thinnest day of my life. <laughs> y'all did the diets, y'all did the juice cleanses before y'all got married, right? On, I, it would not be the same unless you're there. This is what people thought about Jesus. From religious people to tax collectors to sinners of all kind, they wanted to be near Jesus. There are some Christians who are so obnoxious that nobody wants to be within a mile of you. And it's not because you're faithful to Jesus. It's just because sometimes we're jerks. Now, in Proverbs 22 and 1, it says this, a good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Later, The Apostle Paul writes these words. The same guy who wrote that he's not trying to please people writes these words in 2 Corinthians. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Paul is talking about the financial matters of the church and how they were dealing with the actual money of it. He says, indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. What is Paul saying? What people think about you does matter to a degree. They matter for a lot of other reasons that we don't um, have time to go through today. But what gets in our way is, is when we are living for disapproval of people. And I don't want to let us off the hook to make it seem like nothing anyone thinks of you matters because it does matter to a degree. But I want to make sure that we're, we're carrying this tension of what it means to faithfully follow Jesus and to also be, live a life that's winsome that people actually Want to be around. Now, one of the most scary realities of people pleasing and the desire to gain the approval of others is there is no spiritual maturity level that you can reach that will make you immune from desiring or uh, being tempted by or seduced by the approval of other people. Now, the book of Galatians was written about this controversy on circumcision, and the two main actors were Paul and Peter. Peter was a guy that somehow now started going astray in his life. Peter started to embrace this group of people because of their opinion. He was afraid of them, and he started teaching and aligning his life in a way that was completely uh, uh, set, set aside from the way that Jesus wanted him to live. And here's the thing about Peter. This dude, Peter, walked with Jesus for three years straight. He had seen Jesus do miracles. He had experienced Jesus's power. He had seen Jesus resurrected. He was in Jesus's inner circle. In Acts 10, the Bible tells us that Jesus himself appears to Peter in a vision and says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Don't call anything, anything unclean because he himself was making these things and these people clean. The dietary restrictions were removed. So you would think that someone who has walked with Jesus Walked with him for three years, was in his inner circle, saw Jesus resurrected, saw his miracles, got a vision from Jesus, would be the last person on the planet that would ever go back on those words. But what do we see in Galatians 2? Paul is talking to Peter and it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, or, and Cephas and, and Peter are the same name, but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned, for he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But When I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Peter in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? What led Peter to go in the wrong direction? What was it that separated him? Look at these words in this text, to withdraw, to separate, to deviate. This is the essence of of what it means to be distracted, to be pulled apart. What was it that caused Peter Peter to deviate from truth? It was the opinion of other people. In verse 12, it says, he feared those from the circumcision party. And side note, that sounds like a terrible, terrible party to go to. (laughs) Uh, The circumcision party was not a, a party to go to on a Friday night. It was actually a group of people, a delegation of Jewish Christians who believed that in order to be faithful to God, you first had to be circumcised and follow the Jewish rituals. Peter allowed this group of people, influential people in his life, to deviate him, to deviate his path from the one that Jesus had marked out for him. Peter, a pillar in the church, was not immune to being separated from God's will for his life, and neither are you. We're told this about Peter to warn us that even if you meet Jesus, if Jesus gives you a vision, you and I are still susceptible to being pulled away from God, uh, being pulled away from faithfulness to God based on the approval of other people. So Paul's words to us in Galatians 1 and 10 should be very sobering for us. For am I now seeking the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ Now, earlier I talked about some of the reasons for this are practical and other reasons are spiritual, why it is such a terrible reason to live for the approval of people. One of the main reasons is, quite frankly, it's just a really bad expectation to put on your life that you will actually gain the approval of people. Think about it. Have you ever in your entire life had a period of time where everybody was pleased with you? Have you ever had a season in life where you did anything meaningful and every single person gave you their thumbs up? Now, a few months ago, we talked about uh, expectations. And uh, one of the things that really disrupts so many couples and so many friendships and so many lives is that we just place bad expectations on ourselves and on other people. Uh, We talked about in order for an expectation in your life to be valid, it must be these four things. It must be conscious. You have to think about it, right? Right? So these are not just unconscious things that we're living. We think about what are the expectations that we're putting on our shoulders, what are the expectations we have of other people. So they have to be conscious, they have to be communicated, you have to talk about these things with other people, what your expectations of them are. And here's a big one. It has to be realistic. Too many people have unrealistic expectations on their life, and those unrealistic expectations are driving them in the wrong direction. A uh, few. Years ago, I decided that I was going to go on a 30-day raw vegan cleanse. Yes, the way my jeans were fitting, I kept on blaming my wife that she was drying them on too hot, and uh, it was not that. um, I was like, you know what? I just need to get get right a little something, so I'm going to do 30 days, no meat, no eggs, nothing, and not just vegan, raw vegan. That's how hard I wanted to go, Um, and there was a couple problems with that one. I had never even spent a day as a vegetarian. (laughs) Two, and definitely the most problematic, I did zero preparation for this 30-day raw vegan cleanse. I didn't go food shopping, I didn't plan it out. All I did was tell people I was gonna do it. (laughs) By 11.37, I found myself in front of Chipotle uh, (laughs) getting a burrito bowl. I didn't even make it a half of a day and here's the crazy thing, it is so unrealistic that I would be able to do a 30-day raw vegan diet when I have never even done one day or I was completely unprepared. Some things that we place in our lives are just bad expectations. Gaining the approval of, of people is one of those bad expectations. It's a bad expectation for a number of reasons because people's targets of you, always, they always move. A lot of times they're self-centered. They don't really want what's best for you. They want what's best for them. But you know what's even more dangerous than that? Jesus has certain standards for what life and faithfulness to him look like. And a part of that is that not everybody would approve of what you're doing. Jesus is preaching a sermon, and he turns to his disciples in Luke 6, and it says, Then looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. And listen to these verses. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you, and when they slander your name as evil because of who? Because of me, he says. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. Now we have to walk in this tension of what it looks like, to live our lives winsomely, um, but also faithfully to Jesus. Jesus is saying in this scripture that there is an element to life and faithfulness to him that for no other reason than your allegiance to Jesus, you would not gain the approval of people. That there's something about following Jesus that will put a fork in the road of what it means to gain the approval of God or the approval of people. And here's the biggest danger. The biggest danger is that you and I, change our version of Christianity and lower the bar so much that faithfulness to Jesus and being liked by everybody are in the same sentence. If we're not careful, we'll end up with a turkey, ba- a turkey bacon version of the faith. Wow. It sounds like bacon, but it ain't bacon. It bacon. Oh. It bacon. Too many times, if we're really honest about the way we live our lives, um, it, is a, a, it is a version of Christianity that you would not find in the Bible. It's a version of Christianity that you would not find coming off of the lips of Jesus himself. So one, it's a really bad expectation to to think that we can actually gain the approval of people, both because one, it's not possible, and two, even if it were possible, you and I should never have it. Uh, Another reason why the approval of people is so dangerous and so deadly is because if you're living for the approval of people, It's really easy for you to be pulled in a different direction than what God has for you. So easy because people just have so many different understandings of how your life should go. You know what you should do is you should do this. Or you know what you should do, you should do this. Jesus himself had to battle with that and what it looks like to live based on how other people say we should live or uh, based on how God our Father wants us to live. In John 7, Jesus uh, is talking to his brothers and it says, So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see your works that you are doing. Uh, Jesus was in the suburbs of Galilee and his disciples are saying, Bro, you need to go ahead and go to the big city. And here's why they say it, For no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus told them, My time has not yet arrived. But your time is always at hand. Uh, The people closest to Jesus, his own brothers, were giving him advice and instructions on how his life should go. And their advice would have taken him in an opposite direction of what God the Father's will was for his life. If you allow people, I'm going to say this very slowly, if you allow people to should on you, that you should do this, you should do that, all be trying to gain their approval, you might find yourself going in a direction that God has never intended for you to go down. Now, this is really hard in a lot of different ways in in your dating, in the way you handle your finances, and all of the above. Everybody has a different opinion for how your life should go. And if you're living for the approval of people, you might end up finding yourself going in a direction that God doesn't have for you to go in at all. The life of Jesus, he was unswayed, focused on the deep abiding with the Father. Um, And that's an example for us in how we need to live our lives Lastly, the most important thing about uh, living for the approval of people is that it actually doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever uh, had a lot of approval from people, if you ever tweeted something that went pretty viral. I'll never forget, I tweeted something and it got like 15,000 retweets or something like that, 15,432, and um, I'm not counting, but. (sighs) And I was like so happy and the next day, I was like, that actually didn't do anything. <laughs> like, Twitter is not sending me a check for that. It's crazy how getting the approval of people doesn't actually solve our, our biggest need. You want to know what our biggest need is? Man, deep down inside, we all want praise from the praise-worthy. Right. We all deeply, our souls longly, uh, long for the praise of the praise-worthy. This is why we're so tempted by the approval of people. And if we don't get the praise from the most praiseworthy, we'll find ourselves running around to everybody to try to fill that gap. Uh, Last Sunday on Father's Day, um, my biggest wish was to do nothing, not change any diapers, not do anything, but I wanted to grill outside. Uh, Living in the city brings so many positives, but one of the the negatives for me is I don't have outdoor space and I can't cook out. So for Father's Day, I was going to spend some time grilling out and I was going to make my world-famous chicken and um, at first, it was just going to be for my parents and some, a very small circle of people. But then my brother called and said, yo, his boy Keith was coming over to the, to the house. Keith is a grill master. This dude grew up in St. Louis, has his own grill, cooks out like every single weekend. And I knew his opinion of good barbecue was going to be much different than my mother's. <laughs> I could microwave chicken for like three minutes and pour ketchup on it. My mother mother's like, ooh, Jordy, that is just... Nobody, that is delicious. Nobody microwaves chicken like you, baby. But I knew Keith would not be as forgiving. So to be perfectly honest, I was I was pretty nervous, and um, I was you know checking the chicken and making sure everything was right, and it turned out pretty great. And I have some people who ate it to, that could actually vouch for me. And this dude Keith, the whole time was like, "Yo, what did you do to this chicken? This joint is amazing." That night. True story. I lay down in bed and I turned to Jess. I said, yo, babe, Keith like my chicken. <laughs> All of the praise from my mother is good. I'm grateful for it. But the praise of the praise worthy is worth a thousand times more. What would happen to our souls if we never heard the approval of the one who is the most praiseworthy over us? How much would we be searching out for the approval of other people? Because we're not hearing God say well done to us. And here's the most crazy thing about our desire to hear well done from God. You and I can can write down a list of things, reasons why God should not tell you well done. There are debts that we have accrued in our mind that we haven't paid back. There were things that you were not supposed to do that you did There were things that you were supposed to do that you didn't do. And when it comes to hearing well done from God, we just don't think that it's possible. Here's the beauty of Christianity. Here's the beauty of biblical Christianity that is centered around the gospel. Your ability to hear well done is not based off of you. It's based on what Christ has done for you to remove our debts. Now, one of the things I loathe in life are graduations. I hate graduation speeches. Um, I think they're the the worst. Sorry to all the valedictorians in the room who have said one at one point in time. And PS76 is having a graduation tomorrow and they invited me to speak and I said I couldn't do it. But, um, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Uh, A couple months ago, uh, many of you heard of the most epic graduation speech ever. And it wasn't because he put together a great string of words. It was because Robert F. Smith, the billionaire, stood up at Morehouse and said, yo, by the way, I'm paying all your student loan." What he was doing was clearing the debt for every single student there so that their future could be free to live unencumbered, unencumbered, unhindered by their previous debts. Here's what the Bible tells us about what Jesus has done for us. Colossians 2, he erased the certificate of death with its obligations That was against us and opposed us, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. This is why Christianity is called the good news, not the good advice. Because Jesus himself has taken away our debt, so that you and I could live unhindered, so that you and I could live fully facing our future without the debt of our sin that plagues us over our heads. And our job, our obligation, our heart's desire is to live for the one that paid our debts. The one that saw enough inside of you that looked toward the cross, that you and I were the joy set before him as he went to the cross. Our job is to now live for his well done. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, there are many things in my mind that I can think of that I have done and haven't done that feel just like debt to me. Help me to internalize the truth that you have canceled the certificate of death that stood between me and you. And help me to live so focused on my future, so focused on all that you have for me, that I can fully and truly live for you to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus, thank you so much for how you have paved the way, for how you have delivered uh, this to me. Not that I could ever do it on my own, but you have accomplished it for us. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.